Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Glory to God. Let's talk about Jesus tonight. I have an assignment, and as we were praying prior to the service as the worship team, I sensed in my spirit a a driving of a stake, like um, the scripture says to strengthen the stakes, because they were expanding the tent, and when they were uh, expanding that tent, they would take the stakes of that tent, what held it in place, what, what gave it that structure, and they would strengthen those stakes down and driving them deep into the ground. And uh, I believe the Lord is strengthening our stakes. Amen. Amen. And one of the things that he has, uh, the most important thing that he is emphasizing to me at this time is that we, we come up to a whole nother level of faith concerning the using Jesus name our use of Jesus' name, that we are not um, deceived by mental assent, by thinking I have faith in the name just because I know what the scripture says about the name. Because mental assent, the deceiving thing about mental assent is it, it it can, because it agrees with scripture, you think, you could think you would be in faith. You think, well, I'm in faith about that. But mental assent agrees with Scripture. It recognizes that's in the Bible, but doesn't necessarily have a full measure of faith in the heart to back that knowing up. We want to know knowledge is vital, but faith isn't of the mind Faith doesn't operate out of your mind. Your mind needs to be renewed so that it can cooperate with your spirit. Faith works out of our spirit. And so our our heart must have a full measure of faith concerning the name of Jesus. And I think we can grow in that faith. I think that our our faith in the name of Jesus can grow exceedingly. I think that if we will give our attention over the next few weeks or however long the Lord has us here, I think that we can move to a place in the spirit where we have a greater operation of faith when we speak the name. I used the illustration this morning and I'm going to repeat it just for those of you who may not have been here in the morning session. Um, Sometimes... People use the name of Jesus as the opening to their prayer and the ending to their prayer. And that's the the main opportunities that they take with the name. It is correct for us to come to to the Father and open that prayer in the name. That's fine, but have faith in it. 
It is correct to end the prayer with, in Jesus' name. But when you say it, don't say it from the mind. Say it from a fullness of faith. Because if it's just the way we say the opening of our prayer, it's like writing, dear John, at the beginning of the letter, signed, yours truly, at the end. Or it's like Breaker Breaker 1-9 on the CB radio. I'm breaking into the channel. Over and out. I'm ending the conversation. It was just a way to come into the channel. It was just a way to exit the channel. Father, I come in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. It is accurate to say those words when we open and close our prayer but not if it's just coming out of the mind or out of tradition. We want faith in our heart when we say it. So here's something that might help you because this is what I had to start doing. I had to not just use the phrase the same way every time. I would, I would change the way so that I had to actually engage my heart when I said it. Father, I come to you in the holy name of my Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, I come to you uh, and, and I, I, I lift up the name. That would be a really good way to help you make sure your heart is engaged when you're saying it, that you, you take the time to honor the name, worship the name, exalt the name as you say, Father, I come to you in the holy name of Jesus and I lift up the name of Jesus and I recognize the authority. Verbalize that. Go ahead and pronounce that out of your mouth. And because that way you know your heart is now connecting. But here's another thing. If it's been a year since you've read any or, or chewed on any scriptures about the authority of Jesus' name, you may not have the fullness of faith that you need. Faith comes by hearing. But we debit out of that faith deposit throughout the day. Every day is a faith day. Your pastor wrote the book. Every day is a faith day. Why? Because every day I'm using my faith. I need to maintain it. That's the essence of that book. That you've got to maintain your faith. Why? So if, if the name of Jesus, and it is, the name of Jesus is the key element in our, our activity, then we don't need to go from 12 months before we pull off the shelf the authority in Jesus' name and put it in our CD player. Before we pull out of our notes the last time pastor preached on it and, and, and feed on that again. Before we pull out Brother Hagin's book or E.W. Kenyon's book about Jesus' name and feed on those books again. We, that, this is an area that we need to feed on regularly. Chew the scriptures on it. And when I say chew, I'm talking about not just reading them lightly, but taking the time to meditate on them to verbalize them, to speak them to yourselves and, and to see how God 
has highly exalted Jesus, giving him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Every tongue will confess. That's, that, that shows us how we respond to the name. We bow. We confess his lordship. That's how we respond to the name, with honor, with, with, with submission. Hallelujah. So this is my assignment for the next few weeks. So when you come, you can just go ahead and put by the name at the top of your page until the Lord clears me to go to something else. <laughs> by the name. And I, I want to... Look at the verse that I just quoted, Philippians 2, and we'll begin here in our scripture. Philippians 2, and let us read in verse 8. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also has highly exalted him. Notice the word wherefore. Wherefore is a word that means because. Because he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. God, because of this, because of his obedience, because of his victory on the cross, because of this, God has highly exalted him. Jesus, before he came as a man was already the second person of the Godhead, the Word of God. He was in the beginning with God. John chapter 1 tells us that all things were created by Him. So we know that we see Him in Genesis chapter 1 when God said, let there be light. Jesus was the let there be light. He was the Word that came out of the mouth of God, out of the Spirit of God, through God's mouth, into the earth, and became light. Everything that is created was created by the Word, Jesus. Jesus, the Word, has always existed. He has never been apart from God. He has always been with God until he came as the sacrificial lamb and on the cross declared, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Even though he knew it was coming, even though he knew he would suffer the separation that we were suffering in order to bring us back into fellowship with God, he had to suffer the separation even though he knew it was coming, it was still such a shock to actually experience what it was like to be separated from the Father because before that moment, they were one. They were united. He was God, the Word. God, the second person of the Godhead. God, the Word. He became flesh. Willingly. Willingly he became flesh. He didn't look at the idea of becoming your brother as something that was less than him. He didn't look at the idea of, of becoming your covenant kinsman redeemer as something that was below his 
pay grade. He looked and he said it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren. It, it was something he embraced. I'll go. I'll go become his brother. I will go be his kinsman redeemer. I will go take on a body you have prepared me. I've come, O oh Lord, in the volume of the book to do your will. A body you have prepared me. I am willing to go into that body and become flesh. Not Jesus was not in the body pretending to be a man. He became a man. He became a man to redeem us. To legally redeem us. To legally. He had to become a human being. And he did not, he did not look at it as something that was beneath him. Back up to verse 6. And show me 6 in the Amplified if you could. I'll read it in the King James first. Who being in the form of God thought it not robbery... To be equal with God. I think the King James leaves so much unsaid where this verse is concerned. So let me see the Amplified. Although being essentially one with God and in the form of God, possessing the fullness of the attributes which make God God. What are those attributes? What are the attributes that make God God? Jesus possessed the fullness of omnipotence. He, in the beginning, he was fully omnipotent, fully omnipresent, fully omniscient. The, the, thing, the attributes that make God God, Jesus possessed them all, but was willing to lay them all aside, and he didn't look at it as something that was demeaning. He did not think this equality with God was was something, a thing to be eagerly grasped or retained. In other words, i got to hold on to my omniscience. I can't go down there and become human. i got to hold on to I am omnipresent. Yeah. I, you mean I've got to go into a body? He didn't say that. He said, I'll set aside the omnipotence. I'll set aside the omniscience. I'll set aside the omnipresence. So omniscience means all-knowing, all-powerful, omnipotence, omnipresent, present everywhere all the time. He said, I'll set all of that aside, and I will go as a man, legally entering into the womb of a woman to be birthed into the earth so that I can be a shepherd to the sheep. Because the shepherd comes through the door legally. He doesn't climb up some other way. If you climb up some other way, you're a thief and a robber. The devil climbed up some other way. He came in through deceit. He came in through lying. He did not come legally into the earth, and that's why he can't operate in the same capacity because he has to have people to work through. But Jesus came as a man. All man and all God. He didn't bring the omniscience, the omnipresence, the omnipotence, but he was still 100% the son of God. 
alive unto God, just like you are a human being. But if you're born again, you are born of God. And you are spiritually alive, a child of God. You being a child of God doesn't take away from your being human. And your being human doesn't take away from your being a child of God. Why? Because we're made in his image and in his likeness. When Jesus legally entered into the earth as a man and was born of a virgin... He had no identification or no connection to the lineage of Adam. Adam and all people born in Adam's lineage had sin that had caused their blood line to be tainted. They, we, we were born in sin and shapen in iniquity. That's why Jesus said you must be born again so when jesus was born he had no connection to that sinful bloodline he had no connection he was alive unto god and he was pure in his blood because his blood came from his father god the dna of god is in the blood of jesus if you could go to the mercy seat and take a sample of the blood off the mercy seat and run a DNA test on it, you're going to find out who is the baby's daddy. Our Father God, by His Word becoming flesh, God's blood was in Jesus. And that's why there is not any other substance in the entire universe that has the same value as one drop of the blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. There's nothing that compares to it. You, can't, it, you, know, you can say, well, this, the reason this diamond is so valuable is because you can't find another. You, there are very few like it. You, you, can, you, can, you, can't, you can't find very many diamonds, maybe, for instance, with this cut or with this this uh, certain uh, uh, purity of the diamond. So they look at those things based on their originality, based on their difficulty to be able to replace it. <laughs> There's nothing that can replace the blood. There's nothing that can compare to the value of the blood. The blood of Jesus is the most valuable substance in the entire universe. The Word of God is the strongest substance. You can fa it's a foundation. The integrity of God's Word, it can, you can do an integrity test on metals, and you can find out that, that brass is softer than steel. Right? You can do an integrity test and you can put everything that you consider to be the hardest substance up against the word and the word's going to win every time. The word won't buckle under any type of pressure. The word won't give way. The word's not going to crumble uh, because of the adversity. And that's why God said that the word will prosper in the thing whereunto I send it. It will advance. It will come mightily against everything I send it toward. Amen? 
Well, Jesus came as a man. He legally redeemed us through his death on the cross, through his suffering, the separation from God, through spiritual death and suffering in hell. He completed our redemption and God raised him from the dead, which is for our justification. And then verse 9 of Philippians 2 says, this is why God highly exalted him. So Jesus, after the cross, receives an exaltation from God. He receives a, a position from God, a placing, a positioning that he didn't have before. I went through all of that, recognizing Jesus, the second person of the Godhead, the Word of God made flesh, the Son of God, the Redeemer, the Son of Man, the Substitute, to recognize after the cross, God highly exalted Him, putting Him somewhere He wasn't before, placing Him in a position He wasn't in before. I want to look specifically at Matthew 28. Because it's important to our faith. Matthew 28, verse 18. Jesus made a statement he had never made to his disciples before this time. All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. He'd never said that before. This is after the cross. Before he ascends, but after the cross. All power, the word power. Now in the King James Bible, the King James Version of the Bible, the word power you need to identify which word it is from the original text. Because here it is the word exousia. And it means authority. I'm going to give you the actual definition from the Strong's Concordance. Authority, right to control or govern. Dominion, the area or sphere of jurisdiction. I'll say it again for those of you who are taking notes. Authority. Right to control or govern. Dominion. The area or sphere of jurisdiction. Compare this to Luke 10. In Luke 10, you'll see both words used. And I'll give you the other word as well. Luke 10 and verse 19 If you recognize here, there are, there are, the word power is here twice. But in the original text, there are two different words. They are not the same word. So I will read it to you with the understanding of which word says which. Behold, I give unto you authority, which is the same definition, right to control or govern, dominion, or the area of sphere or the area or sphere of jurisdiction i give you the right to control or govern to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the 
dunamis. It's a different word. We generally look at the word dunamis when we're talking about the Holy Spirit because in Acts chapter 1, the word is used. When Jesus said, Behold, you shall receive dunamis. After that, the Holy Ghost comes upon you. And it's the word that means miraculous power, strength and power, talking about a supernatural power. Well, we know that the enemy has, in a sense, a supernatural power. It's not the good power of God, but we know that the enemy operates in a a spiritual power. And so this verse is Jesus delegating an authority to his disciples and sending them out. And he said, when they came back and they were talking about it, he said, I give you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the supernatural ability of the enemy. All the supernatural power of the enemy. I give you authority. In other words, the devil can't do any tricks if you say no. He may be able to to do things in that way in other people's house. He may be doing witchcraft and, and operating curses on somebody else. But if you stand up and say, in my house, the curse won't work. In my life, you can't curse me. In Jesus' name, I'm exercising authority. I give you authority, the right to control or govern any supernatural activity that the enemy tries to work. So if he's working it, the question is, why are you letting him? Why are we letting him? If he's working anything in our vicinity, we don't have to let him. We have the authority to say, not on my street, not in my neighborhood, not in my house. I have the authority, the the jurisdiction. This is under my jurisdiction. That's why we are supposed to pray for the, the, uh, the area we live in. We pray for our city. We pray for our state. We pray for the laws that are made in our state. I'm, I'm in charge. I have a spiritual say-so. My influence, my influence in prayer can do more than rioting or picketing. But I have to take my place and exercise my authority and say, and that's why God said, if you will pray for the leaders, and that's government leaders and your spiritual leaders, if you'll pray For those who are in authority, you will lead a quiet and peaceable life. Why? Because your prayers are influencing. Why? Because you have an area of jurisdiction to pray about what's going on. Amen? So when we see that we have authority over all of the spiritual activity of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt us, we recognize the difference in those words. Going back to Matthew 28, 18, Jesus said, all right to govern is given unto me in heaven and earth. All dominion is given unto me. He had never said that before. Why? Because he had just received this new position. Before the authority he was operating was the authority that God had given to man in the beginning. The authority that Adam originally had was an authority over all the things on the earth. 
but not on the heavens. But he, now he's saying God has highly exalted him, right? Highly exalted him. He said all authority, all dominion, all right to control or govern in heaven and in earth is given unto me. So you go. You go. Therefore. Why? Because it's given unto me, but I've got to go take my place, so, and I need you to take your place. You go, therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. So he delegated to them. He said, all power is given unto me, and I'm authorizing you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to also look at Ephesians 1, 22. This is a Holy Spirit-inspired prayer that many of us use in praying for our, ourselves, for our loved ones. I pray uh, over you, over, over our partners. Ephesians 1, and I want to look specifically at verse 22. Let's begin actually in 20. He's talking about uh, things that we will know because the eyes of our understanding will be enlightened. And he, in verse 19, had identified the power, talking about that uh, 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 resurrection power. So he says, the power which he wrought in Christ, verse 20, he wants you to know the greatness of this power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. It's, this power works in the believer. He wants you to know this power, this power of the resurrection, when he raised Christ from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named. Every name. Jesus is set above every position, every governing authority, every, every power, every, every person of influence. Far above all. And every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And has put all things under his feet. Ooh, hallelujah. Did we read that somewhere else? Have you ever read that before? Put all things under his feet? I wonder if you've ever looked at Psalm chapter 8. Let's look at Psalm chapter 8. Verse 4, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? For you made him a little lower than the angels and have crowned him with glory and honor. You made him to have dominion 
over the works of your hands, you have put all things under his feet. That was God's plan. It's still God's plan. It's still God's plan. It's God's plan for you. That you operate in authority. That's why wisdom is available. Because when we have authority, we need the wisdom of God. That's why the love of God is the safety mechanism. <laughs> Amen? He, he still plans for us to execute this authority. Go to Hebrews. I'm, hold your place in Ephesians. I'm coming back. Hebrews chapter 2. Beginning in verse 1. Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we let them slip. That's what we're doing tonight. We're giving earnest heed to things we've heard before about the name. Things we've heard before about the authority of Jesus. We're giving earnest heed so that we don't let these things slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward... How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him, God also bearing them witness both with signs and wonders and with different or diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. For unto the angels has he not put in subjection the world to come. The angels are not going to be in charge of the world to come. But one in a certain place testified saying, What is man that you are mindful of him? We're quoting Psalm 8. The writer of Hebrews is now quoting from Psalm 8. One in a certain place testified saying, What is man that you are mindful of him or the son of man that you visit him? You made him a little lower than Elohim. In Psalm 8, this is quoting Psalm 8. So the original text says, A little lower than Elohim, which is first used in Genesis 1 in the beginning God. In the beginning Elohim, which is the plurality of God. So in the translation, when the King James uses the word angels, if you go back to the original, you would wonder why. Because the very first use of the word Elohim is in the beginning God created. Many translations say you made him a little lower than God. He just went through in the, the previous verses in Hebrews to explain how Jesus was much more excellent than the angels. So you made him a little lower than Elohim. You crowned him with glory and honor and did set him over the works of your hands. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now... What is the word but? Just, it, it, it's like a nevertheless. 
it has just taken everything that was just declared and set it aside. But now, regardless of the fact that you made him to have dominion, regardless of the fact that you put all things under his feet, regardless of the fact that, that you uh, uh, had set him over the works of your hands, now we do not see all things put under him. We, we could say that about humanity as a whole. That if the angels are looking at the unsaved natural person, they don't see that same authority that God created them to operate working in that person's life. But notice the next verse says, but we see Jesus. We see Jesus. We see Jesus. We don't see all men walking in that, but we see Jesus walking in that authority. We see Jesus who was made a little lower than Elohim for the suffering of death. Why did he come with a body? Why did he need a body? A body you have prepared me, he said. Why did he need a body? He was the Lamb of God. He needed a body to sacrifice blood. He needed clean blood. He needed a willing sacrifice. He needed, he needed Jesus to be legally in the body so he could legally offer his body. So he was made in this body. He, he became flesh so that he could die for us. So that we don't have to die but we can live forever. If I leave my body, I'm not dead. I'm very much alive. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I will never die. I might leave my body. And my body might experience that death. But not me. Not the real me. Not the who I am on the inside. And I'll come back for my body. Because I'll get a glorified one. Thank you, Jesus. We see Jesus. He was made a little lower than Elohim for the suffering of death. Crowned. We see him crowned with glory and honor. That's what happened to Adam. Adam was crowned with glory and honor. Jesus was crowned with glory and honor. That he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. For it became him. For whom are all things? And by whom are all things? It became him in bringing many sons unto glory. To make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Jesus came as a man to operate in the authority that God had intended for us to operate in. And then after his obedience to the cross, God placed him in a higher position than the first Adam was in giving him a name that is above every name, a name that governs in three different places, on the earth, above the earth, and under the earth. 
Let's look at Philippians chapter 2. I might not make it back to Ephesians 1. Because I'm nowhere on my notes. My notes are here, right? I keep looking at them, but it's just not, 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 not computing. Philippians chapter 2. We were there and I left before I was done. Wherefore, God, verse 9, God also has highly exalted him and given him a name. So he was after the cross, he was positioned in a place of authority as Lord of the universe, giving him a name which is above every name. So this name is is given by God. And when it says name, we're talking about a title. With this title, it, it, there, there is all of the authority contained in that position is expressed by that name. So if we were to say president, we would think of what position a president would hold and what authority comes with that position. This position is above all other positions. This authority governs all other authorities. God has given Jesus a title, a position, an authority which is above every title, position, and authority. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's why we need faith in the name. So that when I say the name, I know I'm talking about the position and all the authority behind that position. When I speak the name of Jesus, all of the authority contained in his role as Lord of the universe is available to my need. Available to what I'm dealing with. In my name. Says he has given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus. Every knee should bow. At the name of Jesus. Every knee bows. Like it or not. They may not even be bowing because they're honoring him the way we would bow and honor him. But it's talking about submitting. Every knee, every knee will submit to the name of Jesus. Why? Because it's the highest position. That there's not a choice. It's not an option. The submission is, is imminent. <laughs> At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Of things in heaven and things in earth, and things under the earth. Hallelujah. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Praise God. This is the authority that we have been privileged to represent. 
He thought so highly of us. He has given us unlimited access to, to use his name. In um, the Kansas campus, we had uh, Ron Poole's grandmother, actually, Kathleen, if you, it, it, it is, is her daughter. Um, Sister Jean Tillery, uh, when she got to a certain age, she uh, was uh, fighting something physically, and she gave her daughter Kathleen, she gave her power of attorney. She said, I'm not physically able to deal with some of the legal issues. I want you to take the power of attorney while I walk through this difficult situation. And so she gave Kathleen power of attorney. Kathleen had legal authority to do anything that needed to be done at the bank. She had legal authority to do anything that needed to be done with the insurance policies, with medical decisions. She had legal authority to sell the house when the time came that the house needed to be sold. She didn't have to, to get any other document or evidence other than the power of attorney papers that showed that she was now the person representing her mother, Jean Tillery. So if she went to the bank, they didn't give her a hard time as long as she had her power of attorney papers. She said, hi, I'm here to change this money from this account to this account for Jean Tillery. Here's my power of attorney. Yes, ma'am, I'll move the money for you. Why? Because she's got legal authority to do it. Jesus granting us the use of his name is legal power of attorney. He's not here on the earth to execute the authority that is his. And he doesn't have to be because of the power of attorney. If, say for instance, a, a parent needs to go overseas and their child is, is maybe in high school and can't miss, you know, because semester exams are going to be coming up. And so that parent says, I need to go to another country. So while, I'm at, while, while we're out of the country, I'm going to give a, a temporary limited power of attorney to your aunt in the event that you needed somebody to sign for any medical treatment, if something happened and, and you needed, I'm going to give them limited legal power of attorney, temporary uh, in its nature. That could be drawn up and, and the specifics of that power of attorney would designate what that person was able to do. Now, that power of attorney with the specifics in place would give that person the ability to do those specific things. But not everything. Right? So there's that limited power of attorney that can be given, or there's an unlimited power of attorney. Our power of attorney, the, the, the designation of it is the will. If it's not in line with the will, you can't use the name of Jesus to win the lottery. Amen. 
because that's not outlined in the designated contract, the, the details of the will. But if it's in the will, if you know that God has, this is God's will for you, this is the specific assignment, go in my name and cast out devils. I'm always authorized to do that. I never have to question and look at my document. Is this okay for me to do this today? Because I have, I have specific designation in my power of attorney that I have authority to cast out devils. Amen? When, when we look from that perspective, that this is spiritually a legal transaction in the spirit realm, it is more real than any document in the natural court of law that would give a person, this is more real. This is eternal. This word is eternal. This name of Jesus is more legal in my life than a document that a court could give me that would give me ability. It's just as legal and more so in the spirit realm because, uh, and when I say spirit realm, to change things in the natural realm. It's mine spiritually. This delegated authority. Jesus said, all authority, all right to control and govern has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. You go in my name. In Mark 16, and we'll close here. Because I don't know what time it is, but I just feel like this would be a good place to. I, I've got, we're, we're taking this line upon line, precept upon precept. Here a little, there a little. We're going to take this in doses and then we're going to soak in it. And then when we come back and get our next dose of faith concerning the name of Jesus, it's, it's just going to, it's going to continually increase our faith in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Mark 16. And he said unto them, verse 15, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be condemned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Now, if I were to tell you, go to Kroger. And in Kroger, you will find a produce section. In Kroger, you will find a dairy section. In Kroger, you can find a section that has bread and hamburger buns. In Kroger, the, the, the preposition in is designating that specific place. That specific, this is a prepositional phrase, in Kroger. In my name 
is not limited to the shall they cast out devils. He's saying these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, number one, you're going to find the produce section. Number two, you're going to find the, no, you're going to find you will cast out devils. In my name, they'll speak with new tongues. In my name, they'll take up serpents. These are things that we're going to do as we are delegated this authority in his name. All of those are still with that prepositional phrase, in my name. In my name. So faith in the name is required for the works. We saw that from John chapter 14 this morning. He said, greater works than these shall you do. And you can hear him right now going, how am I going to do the greater works? And he says, whatever you ask in my name, I will do it. Connected to the greater works. Whatever you ask in my name, I'll do it. The Lord working with and confirming the signs. Confirming the word with signs following, right? Why? Because they were preaching the word. So he says... You go in my name, and these signs will follow. You go in my name, and I'll work with you. You go in my name, and I'll back you up. You go in my name, and all the power in my name, all the authority in my name, all of the, the, um, ability to, to shift that situation is in my name. Hallelujah. Faith in the name. Faith in the name. Peter and John raised the man who had been seated at the gate, beautiful. Lame from his mother's womb. And when a riot started because people were so shocked at seeing this man made whole, they took Peter and John into custody and asked them a question. By what power and by what name? By what power and by what name do you do these things? They knew, they knew you're operating under somebody else's jurisdiction. Who, whose authority are you operating in? That this man is made whole. And they said, by the name of Jesus. By the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you for that name. Hallelujah. Stand with me to your feet. Can we worship the Lord for just a moment? Can we worship the name?